Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is that good men and women do nothing. I am simply a mouthpiece for good men and women around the world who want to make a difference. The engagement and the involvement of ordinary people is what is going to change our criminal justice system. Many have tried and failed. But the only difference between them and me is I'm bringing an army with me. This is Truth and Justice. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to this very special Mother's Day edition of Truth and Justice. Like I mentioned last week, the plan was for this to be a week off for us, but we did want to go ahead and put out a short episode today to do a couple of things to answer some listener questions. I definitely wanted to make sure I take some time to wish all of you mothers out there a very happy Mother's Day, and also to update you all on some very good news in Jesse Eldridge's case. So, like I said, this is going to be a short one. As soon as we're done recording this, I'll be leaving to take my amazing wife out of town for a nice Mother's Day trip, and I hope that all of you moms out there are having a great day. And I hope that all of you husbands and sons out there are telling your mothers Happy Mother's Day. Now that we're past the Mother's Day greetings, let's take a quick break to hear from our one sponsor today. It's a short break, and then we'll get into today's content. Today's episode is sponsored by Stamps.com. I'll bet with the day being Mother's Day that a lot of you have had to mail out some cards to your mothers, your grandmothers, sisters, aunts, friends, all those special ladies in your life. Well, I've had the pleasure of doing the same thing this week, and of course, I did it all with Stamps.com. Stamps.com saves me time and money, because as much as I want to get all those letters and cards out, I just don't have the time to stop everything I'm doing in the office to go to the post office to get it done. And with Stamps.com, I get all the services of the post office right here at my desk. I can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, or any class of mail using my own computer and printer. Stamps is convenient. They're open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, unlike your local post office. They're easy, convenient, reliable, and flexible. And Stamps even takes all the guesswork out of the equation. They'll send you a digital scale that automatically calculates the exact postage you need. And Stamps will even help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. And you don't have to lease an expensive postage meter. I use Stamps.com because my time and money are important to me, and I'm sure they're important to you too. And right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus postage, and a digital scale without long-term commitments. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in TRUTH. That's Stamps.com. Enter truth. 
Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Over the past several weeks, I have thrown a lot of new information out to all of you. I've seen comments that range from this is the most interesting case they've ever heard of to this is the most confusing case anyone's ever heard of. And one of the reasons for that that I want to take the time to clear up today is something that I noticed in the Truth and Justice podcast fan page. One listener and frequent contributor to the fan page, Gary Yam, made a great post and there's a great conversation following it if you want to go onto the fan page and read the whole thing. But Gary was pointing out some frustration that he has with the confusion in this case. There are so many different angles, and he was asking how do all these fit together into our theory of the case. So that's where I'd like to spend the first few minutes today is kind of discussing the difference between a hypothesis and a theory, and also updating you all as to where we're actually at with Kiao's case right now. So first of all, Gary's right. If we have to take all of the information that I've given you so far and formulate all of that to fit into one flowing narrative of a theory, there's just no way it could happen. As Gary says, it would be the wild, wild west. But what you have to understand is that that's not where we're at yet. We are nowhere near formulating theories on this case so far. The phase of the investigation that we're in right now is the evidence-gathering phase. Now, with this being a very unique situation where we're doing a crowdsourced, real-time investigation, you guys are getting everything that I'm getting at about the same time I'm getting it. So there's a very big difference between, say, what we're doing here on Truth and Justice as opposed to what Sarah Koenig did on Serial. On Serial, and also like most podcasts that are similar to ours, like Undisclosed, Breakdown, Someone Knows Something, Brooke Getting's new podcast, Convicted, which by the way, if you haven't checked that out, please go check out Convicted. She is two episodes in, and so far she's doing an amazing job, and it sounds like a really interesting case. But I digress. The point here is that all of these podcasts, they take the time, they investigate a case, they chase down all the angles, and they clean things up, and then they craft that into a nice, neatly packaged narrative with a number of episodes to present to you. That is an awesome way to do things, but it's not the way that we do things. The Truth and Justice Movement, one of the things that makes us valuable to organizations like the Innocence Projects is that this is a crowdsource investigation. We're using all of your resources. And the only way to do that properly is to do it in real time. So what that means is I'm throwing lots of information at you all right now. We've heard about the Z28. We haven't even begun to get into Kenneth Ray Williams, and that's coming soon. We learned about the Grove Rats. We learned about the white supremacist Grove Rats. We've talked about possible locations for the abductions. There's just a lot of this happening all at once. We're trying to figure out how does this all fit together. And the answer is that it may not fit all together. So, for example, let's talk about the Grove Rats for a moment. Last week, I explained who the Grove Rats are, how they came to be, and the fact that there are different factions of the Grove Rats. And as I pointed out, the faction that I'm interested in right now is the faction that seemed to be racist. Some of them even white supremacists. Now, that would lead a lot of people to assume that now we're talking about a racially motivated crime, which would conflict with what Jim Clemente said, that most likely this is someone who was stalking Kiao. However, you need to understand that these don't necessarily conflict with one another. First of all, the stalking could have been racially motivated. But the other thing that we have to consider is the fact that just because someone happens to be racist doesn't mean that they only commit crimes driven by race. Meaning, a white supremacist can rape someone because they find them attractive and not necessarily rape them because they happen to be a particular race that they hate. A white supremacist can rob a white man. So you see what I'm saying? So the two aren't mutually exclusive. 
Just because these people may be racist does not mean that we have to have a racial motivation for the murder. But we could. We just don't know yet. So I guess the point here is, and what I want to make sure we get across to everybody, is to understand that this investigation is happening in real time. And the phase we are in right now is gathering evidence. I have not formulated a theory at all in this case yet. I couldn't begin to tell you exactly from start to finish what happened. And that was part of the conversation that I was having with Gary on that post on the fan page. He asked, what is the difference between a hypothesis and a theory? And the way I articulated that, which other listeners did a much better job than me when they broke it down into the scientific terms. But the way I've explained it is a theory has a beginning, a middle and an end. For example, it was the librarian with the candlestick in the kitchen. I know who did it, how they did it, when they did it, and most of the time why they did it. That's a theory on the case. Now, a hypothesis would be, I think the killer might have used a candlestick. So to put it simply, a hypothesis is unproven. I think it might have been a candlestick. Whereas a theory takes several proven hypotheses together to formulate a narrative. So if you'll notice where we're at now compared to where we were at in Edward Aid's case and the other cases that we've worked, is it wasn't until the end of the season when I finally gave you my theory on the case. We hypothesized along the way about maybe it could be this or there's a possibility it could be that. But the method that I use when I approach these investigations is to gather evidence, use the evidence to formulate hypotheses, test the hypotheses against the evidence, If they pass that test, then gather more evidence, so that would be talk to more witnesses, try to find more police files, whatever we can do to add more evidence to test against the hypothesis. And if the hypothesis turns out to be something that's possible when it's held up to all of the evidence, then that's something that probably gets included into a theory. So long story short, bear with us, keep working on those hypotheses. You can share them and talk about them on the fan page or on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. And let's keep working together until we have all of the evidence, and then let's work together to formulate an actual theory on who we think actually killed Kiao Goff. While we're on the topic of new evidence, something was brought to my attention this week by listener Jill Gillis. Jill has been doing quite a bit of research, and one thing that she's been doing is looking into the Dallas County ISD's summer school schedule. And what Jill has found out is that historically, now we do not have confirmation if this was the case in 1991 yet, but historically, Dallas's summer school program runs Monday through Thursday and ends the last week of July, historically every year, at least as far back as we could see. So what that means is that Thursday, July 25th, 1991, if that tradition holds true all the way back to the early 90s, it would mean that the morning that Kiao was killed was in fact the very last day of Spruce High School's summer school. Now that puts an interesting twist onto our victimology for a couple of reasons. Number one, remember, when we're looking at victimology, we're trying to determine why a particular person was chosen at a particular place at a particular time. If, and it's still if at this point, but if it does turn out to be accurate, that July 25th was the last day of summer school, we may have the answer as to why in that place and why at that time. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's first talk about 7 a.m. as a time for an attack. This has come up since the very beginning. Why would a criminal be out at 7 o'clock in the morning looking to find someone to attack and kill? It's an odd time. Now, we've thought leading up to this, well, if it was a stalker and someone who had focused specifically on Kiao, then 7 a.m. would make sense. I mean, they would set their alarm for this because they know at 7 a.m. she's walking alone. And she happens to walk past this isolated area, in my opinion, where the attack likely occurred, which is on Grady Lane between Apache and September. Now, that still very well may be the case. However, we have to add to that now, regardless of when summer school ended, we know that summer school was in session on that day. What if the reason that the killers were around the school at 7 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday is because they were attending summer school? They had to be in that neighborhood around 7 in the morning every day for school. Maybe a group of guys carpooled together. Maybe they hook up in the parking lot and drive around the block and smoke a joint before school starts. That may also explain why Keo not only was attacked on this day, but when she reported being followed by another white car, it was also early in the morning. That Monday, in fact. Again, this information most definitely points towards a high school student that was attending summer school, or more likely, a group of high school students that were attending the summer school. And maybe, just maybe the reason that that morning was chosen to be the day of the attack was because it was the very last day of summer school. So here's a hypothesis for you. A group of teenagers are all attending summer school together. The fact that they're in summer school likely means that they're not the best students. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that they're troublemakers, but it's definitely possible. The bell rings for summer school at 7.50 a.m., Every morning during the entire summer school session, this group of students meet in the student parking lot, which is just off of Crenshaw, just south of Grady Lane, a stone's throw from Kiao's house. They meet in the parking lot, they pile into the white Camaro, and they cruise around the school. Maybe just to blow off some steam, maybe to smoke a joint, who knows. But for some reason, they cruise around the school every morning before summer school. And every morning, they see Kiao Gove walking around the school. I think that it could be that the, quote, stalking of Kiao wasn't exactly the way that we think of stalking. Imagine a group of high school boys making catcalls at the woman walking around the neighborhood. Hey, baby, want to go for a ride? Want to get in my car? Things like that. And Kiao either ignores them or tells them to leave her alone. Maybe she even makes a rude comment to one of them. Or maybe she knows them from the school and threatens to tell their parents. Who knows how that interaction went? We do know that she told her husband that the car that was stalking her, she didn't know who the driver was or didn't get a good look. She even described him as middle-aged. So my guess is that maybe Kiao tells the guy to buzz off. So what if the group of guys continues to stalk Kiao, not because they're sexually attracted to her, but because she's pissed them off? Because she embarrassed them? Before we move on, I want to play you a short clip from Lo Daniels. Remember, Lo is the man that we interviewed last week. While I was talking to Lowe, I asked him what he thought about the circumstances of this crime. And so you grow up, and you, so you make a choice. 
and that's why I said when when I heard the scenario, when I seen what would happen, the first thing I told him off the top, when I told professor, I told him, I said, There wasn't no black folk. He said, What do you mean? I said, The only way they could be black folk, they wasn't stalking them. Uh uh, they ain't no black folk. Black folk gonna be we gonna plot this out. It could have been plotted too that too well, or it's it'd have been it 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 went on flawless. It went on flawless. That was something on the spare of the moment a bunch of kids sat down and talked about. And you know what? They said, you know what? We're just going to snatch her up. We're going to snatch her up. And it wasn't even about rape. It wasn't about nothing. They really just going to snatch her up. Fear God, duh. Don't even yeah, know. Gonna put the fear. Don't even yeah. know what they're going to do with her. They're just going to get her. I think that's what it was. I think it really was just going to be like a snatch thing. You snatch them, you abduct them, beat them up, throw them back to business. But then in the heat of things, in the heat of things, they go differently. So do you, you think, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Do you think that could have... First of all, you said you think that that type of behavior doesn't fit with a group of black guys to begin with? Back then? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. Because if it had been a black guy, first thing a black guy would have done, especially if, if you'd done it in front of your friends, they'd have beat up. They'd have beat up right there on the spot, spit on them. Okay. Get all that old stuff. They'd have desecrated them more. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they'd have tried to embarrass her and send her home crying. Limp. Not try something on or something like that. Not try mm-hmm. to secretly take her away somewhere. I don't know. You don't secretly do nothing because the whole point of it is you need to learn. Right. Okay. So do you, you think need to learn? Yeah. Do you think that then, if we're talking about like a, a group of these white guys, or that that, mm-hmm. that maybe that trigger was for them, her shutting them down, telling them to leave her alone, whatever that that, that might have been like, and we're going to go teach her a lesson. Oh, most definitely. That makes most th- definitely. That makes a lot of lot of sense, and man, I could sit here. I might have to call you back some other time because I I got to go tuck my six year old in. But this is fascinating. Just talking to somebody that was out, that was living that life in that neighborhood. No one's claiming that Low Daniels is a trained criminal behavior analyst, but Low did walk those streets. Low was involved in crime in Pleasant Grove in 1991. And Low does know what types of crimes were committed by the guys that he was hanging out with as opposed to the white guys, as opposed to the Hispanic guys. Now, this isn't scientific. I wouldn't even say that it's profiling, but it's something to think about. So as you heard the first reaction Lowe had to only knowing that this woman was found stabbed multiple times and that there was a possibility she was picked up in a car, was that this wasn't black guys. And we got into the conversation that we just had here a minute ago about Kiao shutting down advances from some young guys riding around. He said that had this been a group of black guys, they would have right then and there beat the woman up. He said that her face would have been brutalized. Desecrated more is the term that he used. Because with a black guy at that time, the guys that he was hanging around with, it would have been all about respect and teaching Kiao a lesson. He said from the beginning, you're looking for a group of young white guys. And it was a little hard to hear him on the clip we just played, but what he was saying was... He sees this as a group of young white guys saying, let's just snatch her up. We're going to teach her a lesson without really having a plan of how they were going to do that or even what that meant. He sees this crime as a plan that went badly, which coincidentally is right on the nose with what Jim Clemente has said. A planned attack, but not a planned murder. A bad plan that got even worse once it was initiated. Jim Clemente also says we were looking for a group of young, criminally inexperienced people. So the two assessments of the crime, both Jim Clemente's and Low Daniel's, seem to fit together. Now what they don't fit together with is Jesse James Wendell's statement. They fit with Keao being abducted by a group of kids in a car, the white Camaro. 
but none of the evidence seems to indicate that this was a group of black guys. Remember, all the hairs on the scene, none of them came from an African-American. The behavior of this type of crime doesn't seem to fit with, according to Lowe, the group of African-Americans that were in the neighborhood committing crimes at that time. Along those same lines, in another conversation with Lowe, he told me that black guys don't really mess with knives. He says that if this was black guys, the weapons that you would expect to see used on Kiao would have been fists or guns, not knives. Furthermore, while investigating who might have had a white Z-28 Camaro in that neighborhood at that time, that research landed us to a group of white guys. Now, also, though, included in that group were at least two people that we know of that are biracial. One parent's Caucasian and the other's African-American. So what does all of that mean? Well, at this point, it still leaves us with a lot of theories and a lot more questions to be asked. And I think that the place where we might find the answers to a lot of these questions is at Grady Spruce and Samuel High Schools, which is exactly where I'm going next week. Before I end today's episode, there's one last thing that I want to share with all of you. A couple of weeks ago, I had a conversation with a woman named Cynthia Garza. Cynthia works in the Dallas DA's office. We weren't able to conduct an actual interview. Being a governmental entity, there's a lot of process and a lot of hoops to jump through in order to get an official interview. So I can't really discuss the context of the conversation, but what I do want every one of you to know is that Cynthia is currently the chief of Dallas's Conviction Integrity Unit. And the reason that we were having a discussion is because Jesse Eldridge's case is now on her docket. Truth and Justice is a production of New Beginning Incorporated. Our executive producer is Michael Bussing. Our sound engineer is Shane Yoder. All music for this episode was created and scored by PutThemInASong.com. I want to thank Tate Krupa for designing and creating our logo. I want to thank our transcription team, Desiree Dunn, Sarah Hoyt, and Sarah Mueller. Thank you to Chris Brinkley of SylviaConsultants.com for creating and maintaining our website. And don't forget that our web address is TruthAndJusticePod.com, and that's where you can find all case documents and photos related to the episodes. I do want to take this one more opportunity to again wish all of you mothers out there a very happy Mother's Day. Please keep sending your thoughts, theories, and ideas to theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can engage in conversation at the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. You can like our Facebook page, Truth and Justice with Bob Ruff, or follow us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.